You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. In this episode of the Next Exec Podcast, Ashley sits down with Krista White, Vice President of Customer Success and Services at Protenis, a healthcare compliance analytics platform that empowers health systems to monitor patient privacy and drug diversion through artificial intelligence. Krista shares her journey to customer success, the importance of her role in a customer-friendly view of the in-depth analytics that build trust, uncover patient risk, and identify potential theft and misuse of controlled substances in healthcare organizations. Absolutely. So this is actually my first time doing a podcast. So it's always exciting to try new things. So I really appreciate of you all thinking of me and asking me to participate. We'll we'll see how my radio voice is, right? Yeah. <laughs> so a, a little bit of background on my career for those listening. Get a sense of how I ended up in customer success. A little bit of a meandering path, but I was always drawn to creative problems. Solving. I have my undergraduate degree in mathematics and a minor in economics. During college, I got involved in a national security internship program over the summer. And that's how I was introduced to software and software support and software engineering. And it's how I ended up receiving my security clearance very early in my career, which opened a lot of doors for me, especially in the Baltimore, D.C. metro area. When, when I graduated from college, I decided to go work for a consulting firm, one of the big ones, Booz Allen Hamilton, as my first professional position. And in the Maryland, D.C. area, Booz Allen does a lot of cleared work for Department of Defense and three-letter agencies. So I had my clearance already for my internship and the match between my technical math undergrad degree, having my clearance through the internship. And the work that Booz Allen does in the Maryland, D.C. area, it was a great fit for me. The world of consulting was also a really great way to get exposed to a lot of types of functional positions early on in my career. I got to dabble a lot, figure out what I like to do. And I spent about nine years at Booz Allen. I was very fortunate to perform in a variety of roles, test engineering, customer support, technical documentation, technical training and even a couple stints as an intelligence analyst, actually. So that's a little bit of an outlier on my resume. But working in intelligence kept my curiosity levels really high and my problem-solving skills and technical skills really sharp. And I enjoyed the mission-based aspects of supporting the Department of Defense. So it definitely keeps you energized every day to be contributing to a cause like national security. That's where I was prior to Pretenis. Right now, my title is VP Customer Success and Services at Pretenis. I joined up with Pretenis in 2016. I was really intrigued by Pretenis's mission. So speaking of energizing missions that I had at Booz Allen and the DOD, Pretenis's mission was also super energizing to me, which I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Uh, but Pretenis was a completely different industry, healthcare which I had no experience with. But the mission, along with the opportunity to build something from the ground up in a startup environment, came at the perfect time for me in my career. I had a decade under my belt at Booz Allen. And I was ready to put everything I learned there into practice at Pertennis. And Booz Allen colleagues actually got me hooked up with the co-founders, Nick Culberson and Robert Lord at Pertennis. And they kind of said, you know, hey, we were really early on. We're doing something really cool in healthcare, innovating. 
and we need someone to come and talk with customers. Like that's kind of what it was at first. <laughs> and I was like, I, you know, I have a lot of customer facing experience from being in consulting. This sounds really intriguing to me. So at the beginning, it was kind of come on, figure things out, talk with our customers. We only had three health systems we worked with at the time when I joined in 2016. And from there, I, you know, over the last four years, really built up our customer success program at Pertennis. And it's actually how you and I met too, Ashley. Yale was our <laughs> yeah. fourth Pertennis customer, number four, when I came oh, I on did not board. know. I did not know that Yale was number four. Number four. Very so cool. you were the first five. And, you know, we had a vendor customer relationship, actually, but it ended up being so much more than that. And then in a nutshell, that's how you and I became colleagues. So if you can go to kind of shift over to your customer success role and explain, you know, what you do in your day to day and how you help those customers with, you know, your experience. Because it sounds like you can still dabble in the analytics, which is really fun. And it sounds like you and I both, you know, we both know that we like to kind of dive in. (laughs) That's right. That's why I love customer success and why it ended up being such a good fit for me. Because it allows you to have a foot in both worlds, both uh, in the technical realm. You're still around technology. You're supporting technology. You're helping drive the use of technology. But... You don't necessarily have to be the one to build it, and you still get to talk with customers. Uh, so it was that perfect mix of soft skills and technical skills, and just allows you to be uh, really um, multi-dimensional uh, in your role. It's very cool. So yeah, a little bit about customer success. Pertennis was a very different business model than when I worked at Booz Allen. It was multi-million-dollar federal contracts. You know, they were usually like 10 years long. Pertennis is known as a... We have a software as a service model, which is commonly referred to as a SaaS business model. And we have a recurring revenue model. Maybe used to like recurring revenue models in your personal life with any subscription-based memberships you may have. You know, different apps and things like that are are typically subscription-based. Customer success is a very, very critical component of a modern day SaaS subscription-based business. And this is why. So this is the, the best analogy I've heard for customer success is described like this. With customer success... Well, actually, without... Let's start without. With a lack of customer success in a SaaS business, the analogy is you're filling up a bucket that has holes in the bottom. So the more water you put into your bucket, the more water slowly drains out of the bottom. And you never actually end up filling the bucket because it keeps draining out of the holes. With customer success in place, you keep all the water in your bucket as you add new water. And eventually, you fill it up. And the water is your business. Uh, A leaky bucket with holes in the bottom is churn. And those are customers that decide not to renew their subscription with you because they're not happy. They haven't received value. They don't see you as a partner. And customer success is there in subscription-based business. Focus on making sure your existing customers stay with you and they keep renewing with you. Otherwise, you just be constantly trying to make up for the customers you're losing and you'd never really grow. So that's... How custom, I think of customer success, like I said, it's, it's the best description. If you're not familiar with customer success, that's one of the better ones for how I've heard it described. 
and through customer success. So a little bit about, you know, we talked at the be- right at the beginning of this question here about why it works so well is it's really a summation of my experiences. So you get to work around technical problems in customer success. But, and I give all the props and kudos in the world to all the engineers and all the software developers out there. You don't have to actually be the one coding it though, if you're in customer success. <laughs> I, you know, you probably, you too, Ashley, you prefer being out with people, you know, rather than, you know, sitting, sitting behind a desk. And customer success is that perfect balance. You can be at the intersection of products, engineering, your customers, and you're in the central space between all of those different teams solving problems. And plus customer success, you get to lean into all the aspects of relationship building, becoming a partner with your customers. And, you know, I really got to work on building up a customer success program when I got to Pretenus. I first worked with our CEO, Nick Culbertson, to really sell the company and our board on customer success and why we needed it at this burgeoning startup back in 2016. And then with executive buy-in, over the last four, four and a half years, we've gone from... So when I joined, like I said, we had three customers and, and Yale was our fourth. <laughs> we've gone from a tiny team of just one or two people. Now we have an entire customer experience division, more than 25 team members. And within customer experience, we have customer success managers. We have professional services consultants. We have solutions engineers, support specialists, project managers. So all types of customer-facing roles that really help our customers succeed with the platform. So it's a really fun discipline. It's not that old. You know, SaaS-based business models are about a decade old. Customer success is, I think, in 2019, it was one of the fastest growing. LinkedIn reported it. I'll, I'll have to maybe cite this in the notes for the pod. But customer success is one of the fastest growing roles reported by LinkedIn. A couple years ago. And so it's got a lot of traction and it's perfect for people who want to stay quasi-technical, semi-technical like me, (laughs) Uh, but still want to solve really interesting challenges. So, Yeah. And I think one thing that you and I had talked about before that kind of resonated with me and, you know, put me back with my old industry hat on where you mentioned that Part of your role is really translating the concepts so that they're digestible information for customers. You know, and when you're working with folks who may not be as technical and you're really being that middleman to help speak a different language so that, you know, you can understand the tech team and you can share it with the customer as well. It is so exciting to and humbling and gratifying all of that to take the work that our data science team does to build our artificial intelligence and translate that work into something that is really usable within the walls of a hospital that actually helps improve outcomes and increase efficiency. Really, really re- rewarding. I mean, AI is, is so powerful. You can just harness it and customer success is sitting at that translation layer. And it comes the other way too, actually, Ashley. So we, my team will, you know, help customers utilize the AI and understand it. But we also in turn get to hear feedback back from them. So we get to bring all of our customers cool ideas, all of their innovation, all of their lessons learned, all the suggestions they have for us 
we get to also bring that back in internally to our engineering teams. And we sort of serve as that multi-channel uh, feedback loop between we sit between the customers and, and engineering to keep those communications flowing really well. So let's dive into the AI a little bit. So we started to touch on, you know, the engineering team and everything that they've built. So what are some of the issues that you guys are solving? At Pretenis, we are using artificial intelligence and automation, couple those two things together to identify incidents and behaviors that could otherwise represent really costly risks to healthcare organizations. We call our approach healthcare compliance analytics, and we take artificial intelligence with our human subject matter experts, which are our customers, and we scale compliance activities that are happening at healthcare organizations. So our customer is usually the compliance privacy office or the pharmacist the director of pharmacy, we also work with pharmacy teams. And health systems, you know this from your former hat too, health systems have hundreds of unique compliance requirements levied against them. And it's just not effective in today's world to use human power alone to make sure all of those compliance requirements are being met. So when you layer in AI and automation to do the heavy lifting around compliance. You can detect incidents and risky behaviors sooner and ultimately end up resolving them faster. So I pulled a couple numbers here for what healthcare organizations are typically facing. Some of these might sound familiar to you, but some of these are really, really crazy, crazy large numbers. So a typical health system in our research, we found they typically generate around 60 million electronic events per month, just from the audit logs from their systems containing PHI. Any action taken in the electronic medical record system, all from simple searches, all the way up to, you know, scheduling appointments and documenting diagnoses and physicians writing notes, notes on procedures, any interaction with a patient's medical record. 60, on average, typical health system, 60 million of those events are generated per month. <laughs> per month. <laughs> yep. So without AI and automation, without healthcare compliance analytics, we also found that a typical health system can probably only audit about a thousand of those events using human power alone. So that's hardly scratching the surface. We like to lean into this iceberg analogy. Without AI and automation, you only know, you only see the tip of the ice iceberg. You don't really know what's happening under the surface. And an iceberg can typically, you know, be really, really quite big under the surface. And AI helps uncover that. And with AI, you can actually audit 60 million electronic events per month. AI is scalable and it can do that heavy lifting I was mentioning to make sure that there's no risky behaviors going on in the electronic medical record system. And if they are, AI can audit 100% of those activities, all 60 million or more, and it can raise up the most suspicious events to the human subject matter experts so they can focus on you know, doing more with less. And if humans have AI prioritizing risky behaviors, 
then they can ultimately, you know, make their program better. They can work on putting strategies and policies in place that ultimately prevent risks. Like the AI and automation really frees up the human subject matter experts to focus on other initiatives. Let all the AI, let the AI do all the hard work. So that's, <laughs> that's how, that's the problem we're solving at Pretennis is, is really, you know, we've applied our technology very specifically to patient privacy monitoring, which is our HIPAA use case. That's making sure that users at uh, healthcare organizations, users of the electronic medical record system are only going into patient medical records where they have a treatment or business reason to be in those records. And we also have a proactive drug diversion monitoring use case where we make sure you know drugs aren't being diverted from the course of care or being stolen and used for purposes other than their original intent, which is patient care. So that's not where it has to end though. AI can be used in a lot of other use cases in healthcare. And we're really excited to for the future. We're really excited to see where else we can apply what we've built. You know, not just HIPAA monitoring and drug diversion monitoring, but a whole host of other compliance issues that plague healthcare, like prescription fraud and billing fraud and even some IT security use cases. So, yeah. (laughs) Very, very cool. Yeah, I think that, you know, the privacy monitoring is always so intriguing because, you know, if you like to investigate, it's definitely interesting to see, you know, the higher risk cases pop up where, say, a celebrity was accessed or... There's somebody local who was in the news because of a house fire or something tragic. And I hate to even say that, but, you know, different events that can easily be brought to the surface because of analytics that usually would not if you were doing it manually. So very, very, very cool stuff. I know artificial intelligence can have a little bit of a, you know, is is that a, a real thing? You know, are you actually using AI? It can have a little bit of a reputation that goes with it. People sort of roll their eyes sometimes and say, hmm. But uh, we actually do use AI. And, and here's a little bit about how it works. If you're interested in learning more, I want to plug... Pretennis has a tech blog. And we can put this in the notes too, actually. Techblog.pretennis.com, I think is it. And it has some articles written by our data scientists that describe the AI that we have built and a little bit about how it works. So if you're interested, you can go check that out. But our artificial intelligence runs off of an engine called a classifier. And we ask hundreds of questions every day of all 60 million of those events that I was talking about. And the classifier automatically calculates hundreds of matching answers for all those questions. So you already mentioned a couple of those questions, but we'll ask things like, do we see evidence that this user and this patient are coworkers? You know, do they work in the same department? Yes or no. Another question the AI could ask is, is the patient actively being treated? Yes or no. You know, have they had an appointment or procedure recently? Another question might be, does this person usually search their patients by their full name or do they typically use their ID? And based on all the answers to those questions, we call those questions features of the classifier. And based on all those answers, we're able to determine if the access looks suspicious. 
So our AI has, the AI classifier uses years worth of case resolution data from our customers to train it. And this is what is commonly referred to as labeled data. Labeled data from our customers when they resolve cases in Pertenis is constantly fed back into the classifier to improve it over time. And this is called the machine learning loop. And from there, the cycle really (laughs) repeats itself over and over again. The more cases our customers resolve, the more training can happen with the artificial intelligence, and it's constantly improving its accuracy over time. And then the key really is the role our customers play too. When they resolve a case, it really does impart their expert knowledge to the artificial intelligence to teach it to be better. So they kind of, you know, kind of like Netflix, you know, to show me more of this, show me less of this. I like this. I don't like this. That's kind of how it works with our cases. So our customers can tell us if the AI is showing them things they really want to see that are really valuable to them. Some examples on the privacy side, we weave together information about users and patients and audit logs, and we create this clinical context around access to a patient. So one of the ones that you mentioned was our VIP snooping category. And we use the the great thing is that we're also able to use publicly available data and layer that on top of the AI. So we can use publicly available data from the web, identify local, regional, national celebrities, in addition to people who might be involved in a newsworthy incident, like a a highway accident or a house fire. We cross-reference that with data in the medical record system at our customer organizations, and we can help them identify when there might be an increased risk of snooping due to name recognition. So, so VIPs, we call them VIPs, doesn't just have to be a celebrity and an athlete or a politician, can also just be someone who was involved in a local news, very traumatic accident, but someone with name recognition tend to be one of the most commonly snooped on medical records. And so we can proactively identify that for our customers to say, hey, you have this high profile name recognition person that's being treated in one of your emergency departments. You know, we're, the AI is going to make sure that no one's in that record that really shouldn't be. So that's one of our biggest use cases. But we have others like coworker snooping that became a bit more of an issue with the rise of COVID last year. We saw a, a pretty significant spike in coworker access to coworker records out of curiosity on who had contracted COVID or not, as you can probably imagine. And then other types of snooping, children and and minors and patients with sensitive diagnosis, like substance abuse, are, are some of the most vulnerable patient populations to snooping. So at the end of the day, we really just make sure no matter who you are, the people going into your medical record are in there for business or treatment reasons. And then the drug diversion side is newer to us at Pretenis. It's only a couple years old, but with our drug diversion use case, we can use the same artificial intelligence to track medication handling events. And that allows us to create a picture around if drugs are missing or if they've possibly been tampered with. So are drugs not accounted for at the end of a shift? Are they being held too long by nurses before they're given to patients? Are drugs consistently not documented properly? Did someone remove a controlled substance when they're not actually working? And we can really pull all of that together along 
with the access log data to say, okay, does this person interact more with controlled substances than other people in their unit? Is their behavior starting to look very outlier? And if it is, we can raise that up for investigation. So those are some of our core biggest and, and most valuable use cases. Does snooping or, or drug diversion typically happen with certain types of roles? You know, nurses, physicians, what type of roles are most common? What hour of the day? What unit or department? We can really slice and dice the data in a lot of different ways to help inform risk reduction strategies. And our customers do use it that way too. Over time, we help them see trends in the data. And once you've identified a trend, you can put staff training and education in place to help uh, reinform people on, on, on what your policies are, reinform them on proper use of the electronic medical record system. And with more training, better policies, more education, over time, you start to see a reduction in the number of risky behaviors that you're reviewing. So it's this beautiful, beautiful cycle. The AI really informs trends. Then our human subject matter experts can take those trends, do something about them, and then reduce their occurrence over time. Yeah, because it may even be something that maybe the team wasn't aware of that they need to be trained on. So it's not necessarily always someone doing something wrong, but maybe someone or a whole team may not have been aware of something particular. So it's really great that, you know, artificial intelligence and the healthcare space are really helping organizations, you know, see all the benefits of the analytics and, and understand where they can reduce risk and, and continue to ensure patient trust. And I know there's more benefits. So if, if I'm missing anything, <laughs> please I can fill in some holes. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say to your point, we always want to make it very clear that we, with, with our AI, the goal isn't to get people in trouble, right? Our, we don't, we're not sitting here every day saying, Ooh, how can we, how can we get people in trouble for not doing what they're supposed to do? A lot of it that we partner with our customers on is truly about education. There are thousands of people that work at some of these healthcare organizations coming, going, different healthcare organizations have different policies. So it really j- may just be a lapse in education. And, you know, we, we believe that, you know, people are fundamentally good. (laughs) We're not over here trying to get people in trouble. And even with our drug diversion solution, we we did have a scenario last year with one of our customers where someone was diverting drugs for their own use. And we were able to detect it early enough for the organization before it really got out of hand and became a big problem. And we were able to, the, the organization we worked with, our customer organization was able to get that person in a treatment program, really get them help and, you know, keep them working really at the end of the day. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to ruin people. You know, that's, that's not what we're here to do. We are here to make care better for patients. We're here to help healthcare organizations avoid really costly fines and, we have seen over the past four years, one benefit of healthcare compliance analytics is really that widespread organizational culture change. And it can also have really big rep- reputational impacts. So if 
risks are reduced, then that really translates into better, safer patient care. And that's the mission. You know, we, we think about the patients we care for every day, you know, all the features we build. We think about the patients we serve. If we can accomplish goals like better protecting privacy and ensuring drugs are not being diverted from patients who need them, then you build a system of more trust and assurance into healthcare. And at the, the end of the day, you know, that, that is really the mission that we are here not to get people in trouble. It's really to have better care and ensure trust, increase trust, and uh, improve outcomes for patients. 